Real Goddess, Discovering Your Divine Destiny by Cherie Sandal, Episode 29 Worth and Worthiness Real Goddess is the most important thing you can know about in your life. It's the end goal of all we become in this life. A wise man said that in this current day and age, women will be seen as different and distinct in the happiest of ways, and that a large gathering of women will rise up in strong numbers, dividing the wicked from the good. And I'm here to rope you in, sister. So I was reading in a book called The Introvert Advantage, some ways that we can help ourselves to live an extroverted world. And... The author encouraged me, the reader, to think of five things I could tell little me when I was younger to navigate the world better as an adult in a world of extroverts. It was kind of an interesting book because if you are introverted, it really helps you to feel validated about how you come across and how you need to recharge and refuel. But that's totally beside the point. What I want to tell you is the five things I was encouraged to tell cute little me when I was younger to navigate the world. So I'm going to assume I was about five years old. And I remember at age five, as I was about ready to go to kindergarten, this is where the real fears started to come up in my mind. And so um, I have to tell you something kind of funny, too. I read this book called The Thorn Birds, and it's about this lady who falls in love with this priest who is never going to be married, but the priest also falls in love with the lady, and lo and behold, they actually have a daughter together, though they never actually end up being an item together ever because the priest never wants to break his celibacy, though really he does. (laughs) And so they have a daughter together and they're talking, the author points out in this story how the young girl who's about age three or four never smiles and they wonder, what is wrong? How come she never smiles? And I kind of chuckled to myself, well, that's kind of weird. Who would think about putting a daughter into the story who never smiles? Then I started to remember myself. And my first five years of pictures that my mom put into my book of remembrance show me not smiling. I did not smile for a picture until I was six years old. And even then it was somewhat hesitant. So I imagine this young girl who never smiles, which is me, and my adult coming to little me and telling me these things. So I've also been reading a book called Growing Yourself Up by Jenny Brown. And it's interesting that we can live adult lives with childhood setbacks and perspectives and how come we, how we can grow ourselves up by visiting our old self, our old little self. So having said those three precursor books that kind of set us up here, here's the five points. First of all, the point that I would tell my little self as an adult self is that people aren't that mean. Sure, there are mean people out there, but for the most part, people are just trying to look after themselves. So if they are mean, it is their own stuff, and it's exacerbated by 
whatever is going on with us or maybe our empath our empathic tendencies to take on other people's emotions but really it's about their stuff it's not about us so we we can also know that it's okay to feel emotions like so often i would stop myself from feeling emotions because they were too hard to feel though now that i think back i realize that sometimes i took on other people's emotions and tried to feel them and i didn't really understand what they were and i ballooned them into something that was way bigger than what they actually probably were and so it's okay to feel emotions and to realize if they're unmanageable they may not even be your own emotions so feel through your emotions and if you can stick with them and feel through them, then they're probably your own. And so I would tell myself, stick with those emotions, feel through them and ignore the rest and know that people are not generally that mean. Generally, people are nice and the mean just seems to get the spotlight because it's a little uh, exaggerated and dramatic, I guess. Okay, the second thing. That I would tell myself is to love others instead of worrying about myself. So I was always so worried about, am I going to be good enough? Am I going to do everything that everyone wants me to? And I'd worry a lot about how I came across to other people. So my choice was to just zip my lips and just be quiet and only speak if spoken to. And even if that, it would might have just been a head shake or small words. And that even happened all the way through college. I just was not a very big talker which is funny because here I am talking on a podcast, right? I may not be a big talker in outward words, but I have lots of words on the inside. So here it is. But so we may love others, but we're not going to take on their things. We're not going to mourn so deeply that we get stuck in that deep pit with them. And that when we are able to reach out to others instead of worrying so much about ourselves, that we take care of both ourselves and others by reaching out to others. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do self-care because I think self-care is important, but I'm saying that once you have a level of self-care, you can reach out and forget about yourself because you've taken care of yourself and love others and not worry about yourself because you are taken care of. And that is a way of loving your neighbor as yourself, is to love others and stop worrying about yourself. All right, number three point that adult me would tell little me is kind of an interesting one, but this one is to not let money be just a definer and identifier. So when I was growing up, everything was so attached to money, like whether we were able to get something or not get something or how much this thing cost or whatever. So my little brain took it to mean that everything was connected to the value of money. And my dad was affected by his mom who was raised in the depression. And so he had these really miserly, tightwaddy instincts, though he could be giving. But to the children, generally, we were um, told to withhold and to not spend money unless it was absolutely necessary. And even then, it wasn't on that much quality of things like we could have done better as far as the quality and I identified with being a tightwad. And it wasn't until I was married for several several years, and I was very tightwaddy also in marriage, and we got out of debt really quick, paid for a house, paid for another house. So it was nice. And my husband will say, oh, well, it was nice to not be in debt. But 
once we were told they had a debt, I found I had to let go of these tight, wadi, miserly feelings because they were defining me in the present. Now, I've heard some people say that the way that you view or deal with money in your life is just an extension of who you are. So do I want money to define me as someone who is tight, wadi, and miserly and clenching it with all my might? Or do I want it to be something that helps me to become expansive and expands who I already am? So when I started to let off on that grip of money, I started to feel myself more giving, more loving, and more open. And what a gratifying, good feeling that is. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Money is the servant, and you are the master. So uh, someone who hangs on to money may come across as lacking spirit because their spirit is in a deficit. It's in scarcity. And so then that seems to reflect on self. So just kind of explaining a little bit of how that works, that your spirit is affected by how you're able to take the resources of the world and what your view is on them. So I would tell little me, don't worry so much about money. I mean, dad has kind of a tight, tight fist around it and mom only gets so much in her budget and it's okay. You're okay. You can let go a little bit and don't let that be something that you worry that someone will judge you with because it is so not a godly way to look at money is through judgment. So little me, just let money work for you. And then number four kind of has to do with dad also, and that is that dad is not God. And I have to say, I loved my dad. I still love my dad. My dad and I have great memories together. The the brothers and sisters and family and us all had very good memories together. He took us on lots of trips. And even though he was a busy man, when he gave time and attention to us, he did it wholly and fully. So much so that he would leave behind his work and church responsibilities, and we would 100% play for weeks at a time. We'd go for trips for three weeks out of a year, and it was just 100% dad. And we loved those times of hearing his ideas and his stories and his, his thoughts. But I came to equate somewhat without realizing it, that my God was like my dad, who was not perfect. None of us are perfect. I am definitely not a perfect mom. And so it's no scorn against him to say he's not perfect. But when I started to realize just even a fraction of the love that God and Jesus Christ feel for us, that perfect love that is free of judgment and expectation, I realized how far apart man on earth is from godlike love. So that doesn't mean we don't follow God's commandments as far as his expectations for us, but that we know that he's going to love us no matter what. And like I tell my kids, I love you so much, but I don't even have an idea or an inkling of what it is like to love like God. And what I want them to know is that I love them in the imperfect human way that I know how but that their God has the most love for them, and that even though I try, they can always know the true source of love through God. God is not like anyone on the earth. 
And though others can have adopted some of his traits through time and even being like a child, you know, children have godlike traits because they're so innocent and pure. But we can't even comprehend the ability of God's love, which to me is overwhelming in an awesome way. So I would just kind of give my little five-year-old self hints that even though your dad is awesome, remember, he's not perfect. He's not God. And there is a God who is enormously wonderful beyond your imagination. This fifth point, and this one, I'm sure we all have a version of this because we're human. And this kind of has to do with as I grew up to be a teenager. Fifth point is that I would say to my teenager self, don't hand your personal worth over to boys based on whether they like you or don't like you. Don't hand or hang your worth on grades, especially math. Like we all tend to think, oh, people who are smart in math are like the ideal top people. But that's not true. People can be very smart in other ways. They don't have to be mathematicians to be amongst the smartest, though we seem to believe that. And also, I don't hang my worth or hand over my worth to musical prowess. Though for me, it obviously was a skill. I too much identified with musicianship for my value. So what I would tell that teenage self is, hey, don't worry about the boys. Don't worry so much about the grades. And don't worry so much about that music defining you. You are 100% valuable with absolute worth. So I ran upon this little chart in the LDS Emotional Resilience Manual, which I just loved. I had never really thought about this, but if someone had showed me this chart when I was younger, it would have made a huge difference in the way that I saw myself. So there are a few points here that have to do with worth versus worthiness. And so often people combine and confuse worthiness as the same as worth. So let me tell you these points and you're going to want to listen carefully because they are good. And I think every child and every adult needs to hear these differences. All right. With our worth, our worth to God never changes. With our worthiness, our worthiness does change. With our worth. Our worth was determined before we ever came to earth. We are everything to God. With worthiness. Our worthiness is achieved through obedience. And as I already stated earlier, that's based upon God's laws and commandments. Point blank. He loves you, but if you want to be worth something, Wait, worthy, I see I got to get it straight, worthy of something, it is through the obedience to his laws that you're able to prove that. With our worth, God's love for you is infinite and eternal. Doesn't matter what you have done or how long you've done it or how, how bad you did it. His love for you is infinite and eternal. We don't have to earn it. Now with worthiness, if we sin, we are less worthy, but never worth less to God we still matter to him. And this is the last point of worth. With worth, God wants us to see ourselves and others as he sees us. With worthiness, God wants us to continue to repent so we can be worthy of all the blessings he wants to give us. So do you see that difference? 
like with the worth, we can all see each other as 100% valuable, absolute worth. But with the worthiness, it's repentance. It's Christ's atonement that makes us to be worthy of all the blessings that God has. Isn't that just awesome? I love that thought. So the points that I outlined, the five points to my little self, seem to be based on how others think of me, how I think that they might define me, and thus how I define myself or defined myself. Hopefully I'm getting out of that. But what I am worth is different than how I might live to be worthy of the blessings of the goddess. So I may qualify for heck based on my low worthiness on earth, but my worth would still be 100%. But if my worth is unchangeable and absolute, then I can do anything that God could see me fit and capable to do. If I can do anything that God would see me with worth, see me worth doing, then I can use his power in my behalf. Now, like a math equation again, if I combine worthiness and worth plus God's power, then my eternal possibilities are endless. And that's what the goddess is. Endless worth and worthiness. And hoping to propagate the same. You go, little me. You're going to be just fine. And you're looking towards that end goal of the goddess. Want to be wonderful? I hope you will join me in awakening one million potential goddesses to their divine destiny by sharing this podcast and information with others you think would benefit. You can find out more at yourchangeofheart.com. And I hope that you can also benefit from knowing your absolute worth and value as a potential goddess.